السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعده It's absolutely wonderful to be here. I was here, uh, I think, a year ago when Sheila was here and uh, in the same room on the other side. And we had a, a wonderful, uh, at least wonderful for me, session. The topic that I was given by Rawan was stress and tawakkul. So let me ask you, how many of you think that stress is bad? Yeah, lots of hands. So let's see first why does stress happen. Stress is the sign that the standard <clears throat> flight-fight reaction is not possible. What is the flight-fight reaction? This is the way in, what, in which all living beings, at least the ones I am related to, um, respond to threat. They first try to run away, to escape. And if that's not possible, they fight. But we humans have created a lifestyle that we can neither run away from, nor can we fight it. The best example of that is what I'm doing right now, which is public speaking. Somebody did a survey many years ago of the things that people fear the most. Like fear of heights, fear of being bitten by a dog, fear of drowning, fear of death, and so on. The number one fear that they came out as a result of the survey was the fear of public speaking. But that means that somebody delivering the eulogy at a funeral would rather be in the box. Having said that, let me speak about stress wearing my behavioral scientist hat. Believe it or not, in a parallel existence, that's what I am, an applied behavioral scientist. With over 40 years of consulting, experience in dealing with a huge variety of people ranging from hunter-gatherer tribals to corporate executives, union leaders, technologists, parents, teachers, clergy of three different religions, politicians, I wish I could say statesmen, uh, scientists, children, and most importantly, my spouse. The fact that we've been married for 38 years shows that it's testimony that her knowledge of applied behavioral science is more than mine. There's more to this, but this will suffice to hopefully convince you that what I am about to say will be useful to you since it comes straight from the mouth of an old horse. The flight-fight reaction is the primary cause of stress. However, as I mentioned to you, we bring it upon ourselves. In the human condition, stress is of two, kind, two kinds, which I call positive stress and negative stress. Negative stress is the result of frustration, anger, helplessness at being unable to either solve the problem or to run away from it. Whereas positive stress is the result of being aware of the danger of possible failure, but feeling strong and confident about your ability to win. It is the difference between terror and excitement. Excitement is terror, which is confident of winning. 
The key is in doing three things. Define your challenge. Create an effective strategy to meet it and beat it. And have the discipline to prepare. Interestingly and apparently paradoxically, extraordinary goals inspire extraordinary effort. Think of a mountaineer standing at the base camp of Mount Everest, looking up at the mountain and all the dangers that it represents. They are afraid. But they know that just because of the number of things that can go wrong and the many times that happen for many people, that is what makes that goal a worthy goal. The dangers of Mount Everest, do you think it stops them from climbing? No. It actually excites them. That is what inspires them to climb. It motivates them. They know the, they know the dangers, but they choose to face them because they realize that satisfaction is directly proportionate to difficulty. The more difficult the task, the more satisfying it is to be able to do it. Tougher the task, greater the glory of achievement. I'm saying, the, I'm saying this to you because this is the nature of all tasks on, and that is the nature of all stress. You are stressed because maybe you did not do the three things that I mentioned before, which is define your challenge, create an effective strategy, and have the discipline to follow through. In that case, you feel a nameless terror and anger and frustration, which can lead to some very negative consequences. It's like being in the classic nightmare where you are being chased by a monster and you are running in the same place. You can't get away. You are sweating and with terror, you are unable to breathe and you are sure that you will perish. Tell me, in that situation, what's the fastest and easiest way to escape? What is it? Wake up. Simple as that. Wake up. And as soon as you wake up, the monster is gone, the terror is gone, you are in your bed, safe and sound. Now, how do we link this to careers and student stress or stress really for anybody? And that is follow the steps. Define your goal. Make it as challenging as you wish. Let it frighten you. That's a good fright because it energizes you to do your best. Being obsessive about a noble goal is the key to success. Single-minded focus to the exclusion of everything else. The reality about success is that it is always, without exception, the result of sustained hard work. So set yourself a goal that scares you then create a strategy to achieve it. You will find that when you hit on the right strategy, you will feel an immense happiness in your heart. The fright will still be there, but you will experience the transformation of fear into excitement. Excitement is fear that anticipates a happy ending. Take your time with the strategy. That's where mentors are very useful because they have walked the path ahead of you. We each walk our own unique path, but the stories of others who have traveled in the way thoughtfully and the lessons that they learned are a great resource. 
find a mentor listen to him or her don't argue take notes and be grateful that someone allowed you to stand on their shoulders to give you the perspective to look ahead the last and most important step is discipline discipline is to do what must be done not only what you like to do almost by definition it means that a lot of that will be painful or at least not enjoyable but without that the most noble goal the best strategy and the greatest mentors will all be relegated to the detritus of the history of failure discipline is the best measure of commitment commitment is the line you cross between wanting and doing discipline is to make your bed every morning to shine your shoes to make sure your car is clean both inside and outside every day to be unfailingly polite especially to the powerless discipline is to express gratitude to all those who helped you starting with your parents and teachers how many of you here thanked your parents for what they did how many of you here good alhamdulillah you, my usual response is about 5% here it's about 3% how many of you made dua for your parents in tahajjud today alhamdulillah two people are mashallah very nice how many of you made dua for your teachers in tahajjud today like two people alhamdulillah now discipline is to <clears throat> read regularly outside your curriculum how many books a month do you read anybody three books a month very nice mashallah three to four books a month outside the curriculum really uh uh alhamdulillah good if you are doing that that's good if you are not doing that it's you must do it hmm? outside the curriculum i'm not talking about your college thing how many books outside the curriculum that that's where learning comes from there's only two ways of learning one is to receive revelation and the other one is to read anybody receiving revelation here discipline is again to break down your strategy into smaller steps to be done daily and to relentlessly do them every single day no excuses discipline is to create metrics to measure yourself and do that without fail there's only one person in the world you can fool you know who that is yourself nobody else the steps are your road map the metrics are the milestones a goal without metrics is merely a wish good only as an epitaph on your tombstone which brings me to the issue of tawakkul or total trust and reliance on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone tawakkul begins with two things making a sincere intention to obey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam in every aspect of our lives because without obedience there can be no relationship and without relationship there is no reliance make allah first factor allah into the equation because he is in it anyway right 
دیٹ از دا فنڈامنٹل تھنگ اباؤٹ توقل میک اللہ سبحان و تعالیٰ سپریم بیکاز ہی از سپریم اینڈ دا ریسٹ ول ہیپن مائی بردر سسٹرز ریمبر دیر اسلام وچ وی کال دین وچ مینز دا وے آف لائف is designed to be such that we become humongously successful in this life and the hereafter. Islam is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gift to all his creatures. Muslims are those who accept that gift and give thanks by using it. But the gift is for everyone, Muslim or not. And it benefits everyone who uses it, Muslim or not. Sugar is sweet, no matter who tastes it. To live by Islam means to live with concern for others, a life of compassion, to hold fast to justice and fight injustice no matter who does it, to speak for the voiceless, to stand for the weak, to oppose the oppressor, to speak the truth before the tyrant, to put the needs of others before your own, whether they are Muslim or not. What do you think people would think about someone who is kind and compassionate, always helpful, courageous, generous. That's a no-brainer, right? Being this way will make you popular and influential in society for all the right reasons. And when we do that only to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it also gives us success in the Akhirah and Jannah paradise. With this intention, the next step is to build our connection with Allah. Tawakkul is to trust. You can only trust someone you know. When that someone is the one who created you and whose power and treasures are unlimited, then you can't lose. But that will happen only when we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way to do that is tahajjud. Is to wake up in the night and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this resource to his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he revealed Surah Al-Muzammil, which is one of the first surahs to be revealed after the revelation started. And the first ayat of Surah Al-Muzammil say this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, Ya ayyuhal muzzammilu qumil layla illa qalila, nisfahu wa bin qusminu qalila, awzid alayhi wa rattilil qur'ana tartila. إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا سَقِيلًا إِنَّ نَاشِيَةَ اللَّيْلِ هِيَا شَدُّ وَطْعَوْ وَأَقْوَ مُقِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said which means O oh you, oh you wrapped in garments. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's loving way of addressing his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says O oh you wrapped in garments. Muhammad peace be upon you. Stand to pray all night. Accept a little, half of it or a little less than that or a little more and recite the Qur'an in a slow and beautiful tone. Verily, we shall send down to you a mighty word, which is Islam and all that it represents. And then Allah says, Inna nashiyata laylihi ashad. Allah says, Verily, the rising in the night for tahajjud to pray is difficult, is very hard, but it is the most potent thing and good for governing the soul, and most suitable for understanding the word of Allah. See what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about seeking his help. 
for the work that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us to do. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, which is Muttafaqun alayhi agreed upon in Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu reported that Rasulullah said, Our Rabb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night in a manner which suits His Majesty and Grace. And he says, he calls out and says, Who is calling upon me that I may answer him? Who is asking from me that I may give him? Who is seeking my forgiveness that I may forgive him? And at that time, if you are sleeping, then what do you say? And that's why I say that if you say you want something and you're not praying tahajjud, then I say to you, you don't want it. You don't really want it. Because if you want it, then how is it you're not praying tahajjud? I want to end with a, with a story, a true story on the issue of tawakkul, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the story is about Abdurrahman Hatim bin Atham, who was a student of, a disciple of, a disciple of uh, Sayyidina Shaqiq al-Balkhi, uh, and he was one of the spiritual masters of Khurasan. Now, he was known for his generosity. He was a very, very generous man. And he operated on the principle of uh, what he called Zayda Zaruri. He said anything which is more than what is absolutely required, he would give it away in charity. So he never had much uh, money or anything at home. The story is that one day, one time, he, he wanted to go for Hajj. He had this immense desire in his heart that he needed to do Hajj that year. But there was no money. He didn't have enough money to pay for the Hajj caravan as well as to leave behind for his family. So he was very sad. And one day he was sitting in his house and he was very sad and he had tears in his eyes. When his little daughter came by, she saw him. She said, yeah, Abhi, she said, my father, what happened to you? Why are you crying? So he said, no, it's okay. He said, no, no, tell me, why are you crying? But this is very strange. Why are you crying? He said, the problem is that I want to go for Hajj and I don't have enough money. If I take the money to go for Hajj, there's no money to leave behind in the house and so on. So So she said, don't cry. He said, you go. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for you from sources you cannot imagine. This little girl is telling him that, right? He said, what about your mother? No matter how, uh, you know, Pious you are, there is always this question. So he says, what about your mother? Because his wife said, you can't go. You can't just leave us and go away like that. The little girl said, don't worry. Leave my leave my mother to me. So she went to the mother. She convinced the mother and so on. The other siblings. And Hatim al-Hassam, Rahmatullahi, he left. Whatever little money he had, he left it with the family. And he left for Hajj. He had no mount, he had no resources, nothing. So he was walking behind the caravan. He didn't even have something to ride on. A day passed, two days passed. The caravan chief got bitten by a scorpion. And he was in immense pain. The man was literally sort of, you know, thrashing around with pain. People came running. They said, somebody can help him. And they knew Hatim al-Assam. They knew he was a scholar and so on and so forth. So they came to him and said, Sheikh, please make dua for him. Hatim al-Assar, he made dua for him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cured the man. Instantaneously, he made dua, he got cured. Now that man, the chief of the caravan was so happy, he was so grateful. He said to Hatim al-Assar, 
here is a mount for you. He gave him a beautiful mount. He said, ride. And he said, your complete expenses for the entire trip until you come back home are mine. So, Hatim Ali raised his hands and he said, Ya Rab, you took care of me. Now, take care of my family. Now, few more days passed. Money is over. They had some food. Food is over. Now, everybody is in a panic. They said, they, they, they feel we are going to starve to death. Now, what's going to happen? And this little girl is laughing. She's laughing. Now, obviously, the mother, the other siblings, they got very irritated. They said, what kind of thing is this? We looks like we are all going to starve to death and you are laughing. What's wrong with you? He said, look. I'm talking about Tawakul, right? He said, look. Who left? He said, what do you think about our father? Hmm? He said, what do you think about our father? Is he the provider or is he a consumer? Is he the Raziq or is he Marzuk? They said, he is not Raziq. How can he be Raziq? He is not the provider. He is the consumer. So he said, who left? The consumer left. The provider is still here. The Raziq is still here. Only a Marzuk left. So why, why, why are you worried? That's why I'm laughing. I see you are fools. This conversation finished. Somebody knocked on the door. The girl went and opened the door and that's the ADC of the governor of the province. The military officer who was in charge of the governor of the province. He said to her, he said, His Excellency, the governor is passing by. We ran out of water. Do you have some water to drink? So she said yes and they went. she went inside. She got a nice uh, jug of water. She put it in a nice tray. She put a muslin cloth on this and she presented it. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in this water. Blessing in this water. This man, the governor drank this water. He said, I have never drunk such beautiful sweet water in my life. He said, where did you get the water from? So the ADC said, from this house. He said, whose house is that? He said, Hatim Alasam. So the governor said, the scholar, he said, yes. He said, please call him. I want to, I want to thank him and, you know, reward him. They said, no, your excellency is gone for Hajj. So who's there? His family is there. So the governor said, then from today until he comes back, his family are my personal guests. So food will go to them from the palace every day and everything they need, anything they need will be given. They are my guests. Make sure they're taken care of. Then the governor rode his horse close to the wall of the house. You know, they used to wear these ornate uh, belts studded with, with precious stones and this and that. And they would have pouches or pockets in them and full of gold coins. The governor took off his belt and threw it over the wall. And then the governor said, whoever loves me, do what I did. And next thing you know, there are belts and pouches of gold coins and whatnot flying over that wall. Hatim al-Assam's courtyard was covered with gold coins. They had more wealth than they ever saw in their life. They had enough wealth to take care of them till the day of, till the last day of their lives. Right? Now on top of that, when the governor's caravan passed away, one of the big merchants of the town, he knocked on the door. He said that governor's belt, please sell it to me. Because I want to give it back to the governor, present it to the governor. 
and he paid them a fortune in gold for that belt. Now, when all this happened, they find this girl. She's crying. She's weeping. So the mother said, "What kind of a strange creature are you?" He said, "When we were starving, you were laughing. Now, when Allah has given us so much." That we do not need now till all of us are dead. I mean, there's enough gold here to for for all of us for the rest of our lives, right? You are crying. Why are you crying? The girl said, "When one man who cannot do anything for himself, he can neither help himself nor can he harm himself." When one man like that looks at us with karam, with mercy, this is the result. She said, "How will it be when Arhamo Rahimin looks at us with mercy? When Akramo Lakramin looks at us with mercy? When the most merciful of those who are merciful looks at us with mercy? When the most gracious of the ones who are gracious looks at us with mercy?" When the most generous of the generous looks at us with mercy, that's why I'm crying. Stress is the result of weak iman, and tawakkul is the cure. Know Allah, build a connection with Allah, and take a risk on Allah. The sign of trust is to take risk. If you do not take risk, there is no trust, and if you trust, there is no fear. What's the fear? You are taking a risk on who? On the one for whom there are no limits. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala Jalla Jalaluhu to bless all of you. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to be pleased with all of you. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to accept your du'as. Make dua now. Ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for something which you really, really want and which you think is impossible. Ask now. I ask my Rabb Jalla Jalalu to accept this dua and to give it to Inshallah. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to open the doors of His Noor, of His glory, of His Majesty to you, straight into your hearts. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to protect you from everything which can harm you. And only He knows what can harm, and only He can protect. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to bless our brothers and sisters who made this beautiful program. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to fill their lives with His glory and majesty and barakah and His nur. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to help them from sources that they cannot imagine. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to give them so much that they will be tired and they will say, "Bas." I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to keep us all on the straight path with yakin in Him. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to take us in a state when He is pleased with us, and to resurrect in us, us in a state when He is pleased with us. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to resurrect us in the company and at the feet of His Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to grant us. Shade under His throne, on His arsh, on a day when there will be no shade except a shade. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to grant us the water of Hawz al Kawthar from the blessed hand of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to guide us across the Sirat, the bridge of Sirat, 
behind Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu in his protection and take us into Jannatul Firdausul Arabi Ghairi Hisab. In Jannah, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to gather us all like this together. Every single one of us here to be gathered in Jannah with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at his feet and to listen to the tilawat of the Quran in the voice of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us in Jannah his own ruya to show us himself so that we can see the one that we believed in without seeing. Thank you very much. Jazakallah wa khairu. Assalamu alaikum.